I think there's a lot of pressure to have one specific style, you know, that you're known for. People can easily recognize your work. I, I just can't seem to do it. <laughs> I can't stick to one thing. I like to experiment. Um, I like I like the freedom of illustration because it's expressive and you can kind of change your style every now and then. And then I really like the look of, you know, like watercolors. Um, and I love the, I love colored pencils, um, more finer control and um, the way that I can blend colors there. And so there's all sorts of different things that I really love. And if I had to pick just one, I think I'd be kind of miserable, you know? So I think it's okay. I think it's okay to um, try different things and experiment. You know, it's interesting too. I'm thinking now about, you know, the great artists of our history, you know, like Picasso or Michelangelo or, you know, who did not do just one thing. They didn't have one specific style. And it wasn't necessarily that they were doing a whole lot of different things at one time, but uh, but they also progressed, you know, they had different stages um, they worked in different mediums and tried different things. So, you know, I don't know where the idea comes from, actually, that an artist should stick to one thing um, or just polish one specific style. Yeah, I think you find sometimes find something you love and you want to do that and you want to dedicate all your time to that. And that's different. That's great if, you know, if there's that one thing that you love. But if you find an interest in all different things and you want to try it out. So I think people should go for it. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Face Value Course, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course. Have you been frustrated trying to draw portraits in colored pencil? Do you want to draw people confidently and accurately, but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're just tired of copying another artist's line drawing. I get it. The Face Value course, now in its fourth year, will give you the tools you need to create your own original portraits. You'll be given a step-by-step -step system for independent decision-making, bite-sized exercises, and live weekly office hours interaction to keep you accountable. The pre-sale has ended, but enrollment for the course is still open, and there's still time for you to join the 2021 cohort. Just go to the show notes for the link before enrollment closes. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. What makes it different from other sanded papers? One thing is the way that the grain is applied to the paper. There is an electrostatic charge that pulls the grain up towards the paper and is applied from the bottom up. Why does that matter? Because it's an even distribution of the grain to the paper. And so you can have very fine grains like an 800 grade on the paper, a very velvety kind of touch to the paper. If you've never tried you art sanded paper before, then go over to the show notes, click on the link, and there are seven different grades to choose from. It comes in a beige and a dark, it comes in sheets, pads, rolled, and mounted boards. And we thank You Art Sanded Paper for their support of the Colored Pencil Podcast. We also get support from Amazon Music Unlimited, and we're talking about more than just a music service here, guys. For example, you can stream the Colored Pencil podcast on your Amazon Echo device through Amazon Music. So it features 70 million songs and thousands of expert program playlists and stations. All of this is available ad-free. 
And I've got some very exciting news right now. If you sign up now to Amazon Music, you'll not only get one month free, you'll get a total of three months free. Now, this special promotion ends on May 24th. So to activate that free trial, just go to getamazonmusic.com slash sharp. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. This is the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. I'm so glad you're here today, and thank you so much for listening week to week. I've got some exciting news. So we got to the 10th of the month, and we had over 10,000 downloads, and I think that might be a record uh, for the podcast. At least it's a pretty big number, so I'm excited about that. And you guys have made that possible, so big hats off to you all, and uh, I really appreciate it. So if you enjoy the show, consider going over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast, and consider leaving a rating and or a review. All right, I am so excited to welcome to the show today, Dina Ackerman. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, Dina is a fine art artist and an illustrator, so I'm so excited to talk to her about her journey and what got her here. So, we always like to start with, like, an origin story and talk about your beginnings. So, what what is that for you, Dina? Well, I've been drawing since I was very, very small. So, uh, my parents sent me to art lessons regularly, like, as I was uh-huh. growing up, Um one of my art teachers is the one who introduced me to colored pencils. Um, I still have my original box of Prismacolor pencils. They've been repl- a few col- you know, had to replace colors over the years. That's awesome. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So that box is probably, I don't know, over 20 <laughs> years old. <laughs> okay. So, have, so as an adult, did you always um, work as an artist or what, what does that look like? No, actually, it's funny because... Growing up, it did not occur to me that I could be a professional okay. artist. I mean, and I had sold things. I had commissions, um, small things, you know, over over the years. But for some reason, it never occurred to me. There were other things that I tried out and I had other jobs. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't until like about 10 years ago, I was, um, you know, already had a couple kids and oh, okay. um, got my first book illustration project. Um and when I finished that book... Now how did that come about? I guess what I'm wondering, Dina, is so when you started as an illustrator, I mean, you weren't a teenager or in your late 20s, right? I don't know. No. Uh, I mean, I mean, I have been doing um, like portrait commissions okay. and smaller illustration jobs for a oh, while. Okay. But okay, I got you. Yeah. No, I was about 30. I think when I got my first children's book um, job and then realized that was something that I could actually do. Very cool. Okay. Do you come from a a creative uh, lineage? Uh, Anybody in your family? Somewhat. My mom's very creative. Um, We had some of her like old woodcuts hanging at home and she did a lot of sewing. Oh, neat. Um, Yeah. She had, yeah. Um, And I'm actually named after my great grandmother. who was an artist. Oh, very cool. Did you know her? I think that's interesting. Yeah. No. Uh Okay. That is interesting. My great grandmother was uh, also an artist. I just recently found that out. It was so interesting. Yeah. 
is. So, okay. Um, so you started doing some commissions even before you were uh, an illustrator of a book, right? Yeah. Okay. And so, and you were drawing as a child. Uh, what? So what was that like, like starting to do children books? I mean, what, what was that whole process like? I was, I was super excited about it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and as a kid, like my two big passions were reading and drawing. Oh. So it was a combination of both, you know, there were so many illustrators that I admired and I had my favorites, you know, from my childhood. Oh, cool. um, yeah. So I actually had this idea in my head of exactly how I wanted this book to look. Um, I think I was trying to channel like one of my like favorite illustrators, which totally failed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, now I look back at my first book and uh, I just see all of, you know, horrible mistakes, things I would have done differently, but uh, it was a good experience. And so was that more things. Sure. Was that done in colored pencil? I mean, we are on the colored pencil podcast, so we will yeah, talk about this. That one was done watercolors. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A little quicker. <laughs> yeah. Right? I find that colored pencils are, are more time consuming. Yeah. So if you're doing a whole book and you need a series of, you know, 24 illustrations, and, right. um, you know, it's not necessarily the most time effective method. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although, although I really enjoy them and that's what we start out with when I'm teaching students, we start with colored pencils because they're easier to control. Okay. Um, they're a little, you know, they're predictable, you know, what you're going to get. Um, and when we're learning about color and, yeah. um, you know, shading and all those things. So I find it's like really a great place for them. So still using the Prismacolor Premier or are you introducing other colored pencils into your uh, palette or? That's what I use. Okay. And that's what usually my students buy. Yeah. Sometimes they come in with other brands. In Israel, we can't even get Prismacolor pencils. We have to order them online. Uh -huh. we, and um, so sometimes they, they get other brands that you can get locally. Okay. Um, and often they find that they're just, they don't work as well. What, what brand do you prefer? Well, I, I like, um, Polychromos and Luminance and Derwent Lightfast. Uh, have you tried those? Yeah. Or, so yeah. I oh. haven't seen any of those here actually in Israel. Um, mm. we got the Liras. Oh and yeah. The yeah. Rembrandt. Yeah. Those are good. Zeta. Yeah. Yeah. So they're good. Um, but I don't think they're as good as the Prismacolors. They don't seem to layer as well. Yeah. Um, so you've never tried uh, Polychromos by Faber-Castell or, I mean, you could, you could no, order I them online. No, I hear good things about those, okay. Yeah, but I've just been so happy with my Prismacolors Why that switch, I haven't bothered, huh? you know? Yeah, okay. Well, that works. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's uh, more accessible, it sounds like, for you, and it's accessible for new students starting out as well. So that's probably a good way to approach it when you're teaching as well. Right. Okay, so what mediums do you work in then most? Um, you mentioned these two. So what probably watercolor is probably the most um, okay. because just for the speed of them. Um, these pictures behind me are a children's book that I'm just finishing up. Oh, cool. And I actually, for the first time, tried mixing the two. So uh, there's a base of watercolor, and then I did some of the detail on the shading on top of that with, with pencils colored pencils. Yeah. Um, so it's been really fun. Um, that's the first time I tried it for a children's book. And it's working out pretty well. Yeah. So well, what kind of paper is it that you're I using? Like it. So watercolor paper. 
the cheap watercolor paper. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So how large yeah. are these? They are like about a little, a little more than 9 by 12. Okay. All right. Very cool. Yeah. So what kind of deadline do you have on most of your work whenever you're illustrating a book? So um, some publishers are pretty flexible. They just give you the time that you need, which means I take too long because then I get involved with other projects. And so if someone doesn't give me a tight deadline, I just... Parkinson's law, know. right? <laughs> work fills the <laughs> yeah, time you allot to it. Yeah. Exactly. Usually like three to six months for a children's book. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's a lot yeah, of illustrations like that, that you're doing. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, three months is a rush is, yeah. is really fast. Yeah. Um, I, there was one book that took me a couple of years to finish up. Mm, so. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about materials then. So when you're working in colored pencil, are you working on watercolor paper then most of the time, or do you have a different paper that you're typically using? No, I mean, if I'm, I use the watercolor paper for the water was for the watercolor okay. part of it um, because when I put the color pencils on top of it, then I get that very rough texture. Um, yeah. You'll see the paper texture um, unless you know you're really working hard and pressing a lot. Um, you know, with a lot of pressure. So is that a, then you can kind of smooth it out? Yeah. So are, is that a cold press or rough press or what kind of? Yeah, I think it's cold press, press okay. but it doesn't even say. I'm looking at my pad right oh, here. Okay. It says it says it's the best. The best, okay. <laughs> uh, the best, but it's really cheap, and it's um, might as well buy the best. I like it because. <laughs> I could just buy, it's just cheap. Yeah. And it's not like I don't need it to last. It's not a commission yeah. where someone's buying an actual painting. Yeah, these are going to be. it has to be a good quality paper. And I want it, you know, this is just, you know, they they want the digital files at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, That's pretty cool. So I just, I just use cheap paper, but. Um, what do you do with these originals say, after you're done? Well, I've been selling a few of them. Okay. Um, that's cool. <laughs> sometimes I'll post them and somebody will be interested in, yeah. in them. Um, but usually they, a lot of them would just sit around in a drawer and, you know, one day when I'm famous and <laughs> someone wants to put them up in a museum. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I love that because yeah. it's, uh, you know, multiple income streams then. I mean, you're diversifying how you're being paid then because you're creating this work and then you're actually able to sell your original work are you making uh prints of those as well to uh, available i have some of them okay. yeah. yeah um they're when they're you know a children's book and it's part of a story so not all of them are, are really people would be interested right, in right. hanging on their wall but sometimes there's a scene that appeals to people i did a sure. farm book kids just um, waking up in the morning and doing their morning chores on the farm. And people really liked that. Oh, um, yeah. I sold a few of those and people were interested in buying prints, I guess. People maybe who grew up on farms and it reminded them of their childhood. Yeah. Just like kids and animals. Some things are more marketable than other things. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely.
Just a reminder that the Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. If you've never tried sanded paper before, I highly recommend UART. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART premium sanded paper. And we thank UART for their support of the Color Pencil podcast. You're a color pencil artist and you've got just about every colored pencil that there is, except for that one. And you're wondering how this color compares to the actual pencil line that you have. Now, some color pencil artists like to create these huge charts. I don't do that. I don't have the patience for it. Well, I've got good news if you're like me. Someone else has created these charts for you. There is a color pencil conversion and comparison chart. Thanks to KarenHallArt.com. This is a 62-page PDF booklet that you could download. And you can get updates as she updates it. She just updated it with the brand new Karen Dosh Luminance Colors. It's got the Derwent Lightfast pencils in there as well. How would you like 20% off? Just go to the show notes or use SharpArt20 at checkout. Okay, so what other uh, income streams do you have? Uh, this is a question I get constantly from artists. How can I make money with my art? So what else do you yeah. do? Uh, you, you mentioned teaching, uh, So, and you're illustrating. You, you kind of mentioned, you intimated that you did some uh, commissions. Uh, are you still doing that or what else do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely need a whole bunch of income streams if yeah. you want to, I think. Seems to me if you want to make money as an artist. Yeah. So yeah. So there's teaching, which is not a huge income stream. Um, it's a, it's like a little bonus. Okay. Um, I teach a couple hours a week. Um, and then there's children's books, which are also, um, can be, I think, uh, a good stream of income, except most of my publishers are smaller, like Jewish publishers okay. who don't have as wide of an audience. And mm -hmm. so therefore their budgets are a little bit smaller. Um, Any chance so, of so expanding that? I would like to. to yes, okay. I just have to figure out how to break in, yeah. you know, uh, whether I need an, an agent. Okay. Probably. Okay. Um, or just need to start sending samples out. I think these days most of the main publishers require that you have an agent. Very cool. Uh, so, so I cut you off. What other that. income streams are there? Um, Any that we haven't talked about? So so I do some portrait commissions. Okay. Um, I do um, sometimes um, illustrations for people's ads, advertisements, or social media accounts. Um, so so that's, wow. I think that's basically. Very cool. Covers most of it. Kind of all over the board with regard to. All over <laughs> so even with subject matter, it sounds like, uh, what do you have a favorite uh, subject matter that you draw? Um, yes, I like drawing people. Mm. So um, that's why it seems to be like I, it's diverse. My styles are kind of all over the place yeah. too. Yeah. And I like to try new styles. Um uh, and illustration and then fine art, you know, painting like watercolor or portraits or acrylic portraits 
Um, so the final results are really different. But I think the one thing they have in common is that I like to focus on people. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Why why is that? Have you analyzed it? I, I'm so I'm so much into all this cerebral stuff and analyzing every little thing. <laughs> so a yeah, lot of people aren't like that. But uh, just curious. Yeah, I, that's a very good question. I like people. I think it's because you can, um, elicit the most emotional response from people. Mm -hmm. You know, you right. could draw absolutely beautiful, you know, florals or landscapes, which will also do the same thing. But I think there's something about a human face or just, you know, seeing other people, yeah. other figures that, um, yeah. Well, it maybe brings brings a little extra something to oh, it. Oh, sure, yeah, and it connects us a lot, doesn't it? I mean, we yeah. can all relate to people. We are a people. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, hopefully most of us. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is uh, so you use a lot of different mediums too, and you do use colored pencil, but you said you start your students out in colored pencil. Yeah. So are you, what kind of classes do you teach? I mean, are, and are they online? So I would want to put them online, mm -hmm. but not yet. Um, ah. There's a small local art school okay. here. Okay. Um, I teach um, the first year students who are starting out. It's like actually a double class. They have one teacher who does um, all the basic, um, you know, ba drawing basics, yeah. the really boring part, you know, <laughs> where you're just shading yeah. spheres and, right. and draped pieces of cloth. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I get to do the color part of it. So they, that, while they're learning the basics, they also learn about color. So we always start the first year with colored pencils. Um, so what's important about using colored pencil and learning color? Um, like what I kind like, of things do you go through with them to help them to understand color better with Prismacolor Premier pencils? Right. So, um, you know, we do a bit about color tones, you know, cool, warm colors, okay. cool colors, um, how colors, you know, affect, I guess, the mood of the drawing. Um, although that's a, even that's a little advanced for them, I think, well, we get to that eventually, but a lot of it in the beginning is just technique, really, just how to use the pencils um, and things that I take for granted. I've realized over the years, some students really need to start from the basics. So, um, you know, how much pressure uh, to put, yeah. how many, you know, just layering colors, okay. um, just choosing colors. We usually work from photos. Um, I, I bring them a photo. And, okay. And then they are basically copying it um, with their pencils. Yeah. So how to look at a picture and pick it out, you know, instead of using grays, you know, yeah. how to pick out the other colors that are within the, you know, they'll look at it and they'll see gray or they'll see brown and then I'll, you know, we'll look further and, and then they'll see, oh, there's some blues in there. There's some oranges, you know, whatever it is. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always interesting um, for them, especially because they're not used to looking at yeah, that's that's um, something that, you know, when you first start becoming aware that, oh, I don't have to use gray and black uh, and brown exactly. in my shadows. I can use purple and blue and even red, you know, sometimes. Yeah, so yeah. it's so it's amazing. Yeah, really is. And it yeah. opens up this whole new world, really. Um, so 
what uh what do you uh, what are some of the epiphany moments that people have like whenever they start being introduced to that i know with my students a lot of times that's one of the big things that they just lack confidence in they're looking at their reference and they're like john i don't i just don't even know what to do over here i don't know how to color this and create that that contour and and the shading over here what what do i do have you um, noticed any commonalities between students and when they're starting to learn that? I see a big dip, a variety okay. in students. Um, some ha- seem to have a natural knack for it yeah. and just jump right in. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they're confident right. about, you know, just picking colors, just putting it down, just trying things out. And some people are very timid, um, especially when it comes to putting in dark colors, I find. Um, you know, I I explain the importance of having contrast. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have enough contrast, your your drawing's just going to be flatter yeah. and you know uninspiring. Right. And being able to put in those dark areas really makes everything look more alive. Um, so I try to get them to do that. Um, some of them really struggle. <laughs> They're just scared, like yeah. scared to put anything dark in there. They'll layer very softly, different colors. Um, so would you tell them, uh, I mean, what, what is some of your advice? I mean, would you tell them, don't worry about it, be bold, go ahead. And- yeah, I try, I tell them, look, just it's just practice, first of all. Yeah. This drawing, it, if it doesn't come out well, it's no big deal. Yeah. You'll learn through the process. So just to, you know, go for it and see what happens. You know, if it's no good this time, you'll, you'll learn something from it and you'll apply it to your next drawing. That's excellent um, advice. Yeah. Yeah. So, how long is yeah. the class typically? This class you're talking about? It is about an hour and a half. Ah, oh, gotcha. That's it. I mean, is it uh, several yeah, times a week? Yeah, it's really or? not that much. Okay. The the truth is, and and part of the class I spend doing a demo, I try to um, you know demonstrate um, how the process a little bit, um, what colors I would pick. Um, Okay. You know, where to start. Sometimes it's good for them just to see how you start a drawing. Because yeah. like you said, you look at a picture and it's overwhelming right. and you don't even know what to do. So, you know, we'll put a base color down. Yeah. Um, then we'll start building up some shadows maybe or adding different colors and things like that. So when they see it, I think it makes it easier for them then to get a start on it themselves. So that takes up some time. That'll take, you know, maybe 20 minutes of the class. Yeah. Uh, and then... They have a little time to draw on their own and ask me questions if they have any. And then I really want them to finish the project at home. Uh, yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, some of them take initiative and even will start other drawings, uh, which always makes me happy right, to see. Right. And some of them can't seem to find the time even to finish a drawing from class, which is their own loss, you know, because the more they can practice at home, yeah, the faster they'll progress. Yeah, there's sort of this um, this mutual uh, relationship that's going on between students uh, in a class, usually where you know they're they're spurred on because their classmates are doing the same thing. So that a lot of times is a good motivation to go ahead and complete it, or at least attempt. Uh, especially yeah. if you're you know lacking some confidence or you're feeling like because I remember feeling like that. I I took some mini workshops many years ago now. And I remember thinking, well, they can do it. I can do it. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And uh, I think that helps a lot of times when you see what other students are doing. 
So um, an hour and a half, and then uh, that's uh, one day. I mean, do they come back the next day? Or yeah, it's, how, how it's once a week. Once a week? It's, a, it's once a week. Okay. Yeah. For how many weeks? Yeah. I mean, they have the other class, you know, the other teachers yeah. there also for two hours. So they're doing, you know, their other drawing exercises. So how many weeks are uh, they with you then? It's, um, I mean, it's a year. Okay. Of course. So it's not a full year, obviously. You know, summer break and holidays. And that whatever, sounds quite but. immersive, though. I love that. It sounds like you're with them a long time. So I'm sure yeah, there's a nice journey. Yeah, some of them journey. come back the second, you know, second year. Very cool. Or third year I've had, I've had them, so. I want to talk for just a second then. You mentioned technique a couple of times. So let's talk about that for a moment. You mentioned layering in passing. Do you use uh, solvent in your work? And uh, anything else I, you can tell me about some of the peculiar things maybe that you do yeah i don't do anything interesting really i have tried um (laughs) i have tried like the prismacolor marker that's supposed to blend colors and i have tried uh was alcohol or i don't know there was one point where i just wanted to experiment a bit and see if i liked any of these ideas that i've seen floating about i didn't really care for anything no i just like i just like the pencils on their own basically um so yeah it's basically it's mostly layering um, I really and then I love teach that. them about, you know, you, you can, you can see the, um, texture yeah. of the pencils if you want it for, you know, yeah. fuzzy things or wood or I don't know, you know, things like that, yeah. or you can really burnish your colors and it looks almost like a painting, you know, when yeah. you, um, yeah, just polished, just it po- blend it and polish it and just keep scrubbing those colors in, um, sure. which is really fun. So we try yeah. to. Oh, I love that a lot. I love it that you're, you are focused on using the pencils and uh, not trying to use a lot of other things. Not that there's anything wrong with using other things, but I I think it's a good basic start for people just to understand that, hey, the pencils can do so many things. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you find that people you like to uh, use other solvents and things like that? Well, you know, what I find is that when you look around at the colored pencil community, there's been this push for quite some time, maybe a couple of decades, or at least within the last decade, to have a very uh, tight, painterly kind of look. I, I don't know if I could use that in the same sentence, but yeah. but very tight, yeah, photorealistic kind yeah. of look where the pencil is totally saturated. You don't see any white of the paper at yeah. all. Nothing wrong with that. Beautiful work. But I think there is room for all styles and a lot of different subject matter and a lot of different, um, you know, like like you were mentioning, you can see the texture sometimes of the pencil. Yeah. Uh, And that's exciting to me where you get a sense of the materials that were being used as well. So I love that. All right. So let's see here. Let's talk about. Where where are you going? Like, what what are you uh, trying to accomplish? Like, maybe within the next year or so. Okay, well, that's a big question. Um, so there are. <laughs> <laughs> What's the meaning of life? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'd like to do. Um, we'll get and, to that one next. <laughs> yeah. So I have a children's book that I've been working on. My own book 
because most of my okay. illustrating jobs nice. are other people's books. Um, wow, you know. how exciting. That we, is so cool. It's very exciting, but it's it keeps getting pushed away, you know, because uh, yeah. other yep. things that take up time and pay right. the bills and, you know, this one is not paying any bills yet. Maybe it and will. And children, I mean, let's not. Yeah, but let's not, uh, <laughs> you know, forget that you have a lot of kids. I mean, it's uh, yeah. It's, so I mean, that's that's life. That's a season of life that you're in. So yeah, maybe it's just maybe I just need a few more years. But yeah, my youngest yeah. is five, so um, yeah, they take up they do take up time. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, it really. I mean, it's rewarding. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. For those of us that have children, we know what that's like. Yeah. Um It's it's a ton of work. I, I often joke, you know, my wife and I, we talk about it. It's like, what did we do before we had kids? I don't know. I what know. was life even like? Sometimes I look at these hugely <laughs> prolific artists, um, you yeah. know, who, and I'm like, I bet they have no kids. <laughs> like, how And do then they you find, find out. You're right. They don't you know, a lot of times. <laughs> or you find out they do, and then you're just like, and oh, that's I even, quit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when you find out they do, then I'm just like very depressed. Like, yeah. how'd they do that? You know, I know, I know. That's crazy. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So I love that. Well, congratulations on that. Just the motivation of being able to, you know, and confidence to work on your own thing like that. I hope Thank that goes well. I'm sure it will. That Thank is exciting. You. Yeah. Very cool. So what is the best piece of advice you ever received as an artist? Probably there's two things. Um, the best piece of advice I received um, as a professional artist, um, uh -huh. you know, in terms of making money is oh, right. um, make sure you're not taking jobs that are going to take up a lot of time and not pay you, mm -hmm. what, you know, what your time is worth. And I think like in the beginning, when you're starting, if you're taking commissions, for example, or working on projects like a book or things like that, um, yeah. you and, and you're starting out and you're a freelancer and you don't know where your next job is going to come from. It's very tempting right. to, um, you know, take a job where someone says, I don't have a big budget, but I'd really love to have you work on it. And yeah, that's you have tempting. to, you yeah, have to right. decide, like, is it worth it? Because, um, you know, it's something, you know, it's it's $500 maybe, you know, which you might not get otherwise. Um, but I had a mentor who made me realize that um, when you take a big job like that, um, you're closing off yourself for a certain amount of time to other opportunities. And sometimes you just have to learn to say no and um, wait for something else to come along, um, which it does. Yeah. You know, I think when you have faith um and mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're trying your best and you can, you know, learn to say no and just pray that something, you know, better comes along. Um, so that's more I love that business advice. advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good, though, because, yeah, I mean, you're filling that time. Uh, that's a, you know, it's a zero sum game there with, uh, I mean, you fill the time, uh, then you can't say yes to anything else. Because right. you've said no to everything else. You, you can only say yes to one thing yeah. at a time. So, Although I have to say, yeah, I have to say yes to too many things. And <laughs> <laughs> I have to prioritize. That, and yeah. That. But yeah. Well, so I love that. But let's, let's dive into that for just a second. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you were going to talk about another thing uh, with regard to best advice. But, and so we'll get back to that. Sure. But let me just um, probe that for just a second. So you're talking about, you know, thinking about what this thing is and it's tempting but even though you know you know it's probably uh not paying as well as it should 
So, and you mentioned what is your time worth? You know, what? How do you answer that question? How for someone brand new? A lot of a lot of uh, my audience is brand new, and and they don't know what their time is worth. How do you? Yeah. Figure that out. So Any advice there. Yes, I do because a lot of my students are also starting out. Um, yeah. You know, I, I teach an illustration course too, and they want to start illustrating books and things like that. I think right. you have to realize when you're starting out, your time's not worth that much, unfortunately, because you don't have the experience and maybe your skills aren't where they will be five years from now. Um, and I think it's okay to take jobs for, for low pay or even, um, you know, if it's, Sometimes people want you to do work for free, um, which I don't really recommend. I think it's better if they're going to pay you at least a small, uh, a low price yeah. because they'll value your work and your time more. Um, but um, I think it's okay to build a portfolio and um, build up to, you know, uh, the point where you can start raising your prices. So I don't think people need to be too, I don't know, proud of themselves to say, yeah. you know, I, I can't work for $20 an hour or, you know, it's not worth yeah. my time or whatever, $10 an hour or whatever you work out the time to be because you do need to build up some experience and a portfolio. And, and I think that's fine. Yeah, It gets to the point where um, if you think your work is competitive enough and you see that people are willing to pay for it um, and maybe the demand grows um, and then you just start raising prices slowly as you go and it's trial and error, you know, you'll start to see yeah. what price range, um, you know, a majority of people can afford um, and where it starts to get too expensive and you get less clients because your prices have gone up, which is also okay. You may find yourself at a point where you can take less clients and charge more. And, um, and that's a good place to be also, um, you know, it just, you, you, you know, I, I think it's a lot of trial and error. You just figure it out as you go yeah. along. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. that that's <laughs> awesome. I think there is uh, something that happens. There's a mental signal that we, uh, send to ourselves whenever we are into uh, this this um, growth period, let's say, you know, maybe we've been doing it for a few years, maybe five years, as you mentioned, and maybe our work is competitive at that point. But we've told ourselves now for so long that, oh, no, I can only work for, let's say, 20 bucks an hour or whatever it is, whatever it translates out to be. Right. And there is nearly like this glass ceiling that we've created for ourselves at times that sometimes we need to just break through that and just say, okay, no, I can charge more now. Yes. Um, and I, I don't know. That's just something that, you know, I want to I encourage you today, if you're listening and you've been doing this for a while and you know your worth and you know that you are competitive with others in the same, um, you know, skill level at a different price range than what, you know, you're seeing that your clients are paying, then maybe it's time to look around and say, okay, maybe I do need to raise my prices. That's right. So it's been a lot of fun talking with you, uh, Dina. Really appreciate all your time. Uh, any parting words of advice for anyone uh, just starting out in art or in colored pencil? Yeah, I would just say practice is the most important mm -hmm. thing. Just practice, 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 practice. Um, and look at other artists' work and try to figure out what you like about it. And, um, you know, learning techniques and taking classes is super important. But if you don't practice, um, you know, it's not worth anything. Um, I have, I have, I know people who love watching 
um, art, you know, art lessons online or, or they'll read about different techniques or they'll collect art books and stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they don't necessarily put in enough time with practicing. Um, so I think that's really the most important thing to do. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can be addicted to that that training mentality or that student mentality and never start owning this. And yeah. Doing and I know yourself. the feeling like I could watch, yeah. you know, watercolor tutorials all day long. Oh yeah. They're <laughs> um, enjoyable, right? They're mesmerizing. They're, they're super fun. And you feel, <laughs> yeah. you actually feel like you're learning something. So there's also right. that, you know, you, you don't feel like you're wasting time. You're learning things, right. but if you don't apply it and you're not practicing yourself, then it's really yeah. not. It's all for naught. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I want to be respectful of your time. It's thank you so much pleasure. for being on here. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, John. So, guys, if uh, if you haven't left a rating or review for the show, I'd really appreciate that. And if you are enjoying the show and you find it valuable, tell someone else about the show. This show comes out every Monday morning, 3 a.m. And I will talk to you again next week. And until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.